This is Before the Light Goes Out with Catherine Williams. Lisa Knapp is an English folk singer, musician and songwriter. Her singing voice has been described as crystal clear and reminiscent of Anne Briggs. She can be heard on the closing credits of the film Living, starring Bill Nighy. She's touring in March 23 with Mary Waterson and Nathaniel Mann going under the name Hack Poets Guild. She's released three solo albums and one of my very favourite things in lockdown was her singing the weather on YouTube where she would improv a weather forecast tune and sing with her harmonium. Welcome. Lisa Knapp. Hello. Now we're actually in the same room. In, in person. In person. <laughs> Why is that? Well, <laughs> it's due to a um, an unfeasible amount of good fortune <laughs> that could have been bad fortune but has turned out amazingly. <laughs> because you, we were texting each other We've been texting each other. Because your new song I texted to tell you was amazing. You did, which was lovely of you. And I texted you saying, don't leave Twitter. (laughs) Please. I couldn't anyway, because I forgot my password. (laughs) And then I got on the train, the right train, on the wrong day. (laughs) Because you're doing a show in Sunderland. Doing a show, yeah, um, with... So it's a live soundtrack um, to a film called Arcadia, which is by Paul Wright. And the soundtrack was composed by Adrian Utley of Portishead and Will Gregory from Goldfrapp. And so they have got together an amazing ensemble of musicians as strings... Um, lots of synthy sounds and um, really amazing sort of operatic singer uh, and myself who um, is singing some folk songs that appear in the soundtrack so we're doing a gig at the fire station not tonight (laughs) (laughs) tomorrow night so you texted me saying So I've roped you in. You've rescued me, actually, from a, a strange night in Sunderland. Oh. So I'm most grateful. Well, I'm going to get on with my first question. Okay. How did you sleep last night? Do you know what? I slept really well last night. I got really tired. And I sometimes of late, the last few years... If I get really tired, I just fall asleep on the couch and then I always wake up at sort of four in the morning feeling dreadful with a backache. So my husband saw me falling asleep and he said, go and get up to bed. And I did. At a reasonable hour, I guess, half ten or something. And I slept straight through to about half seven, which was pretty good. I slept really well. So he knows what's good for you. (laughs) He does, probably better than I do, yes. And where are you sleeping tonight? This is my usual question, so well, I know the answer. I'm sleeping, <laughs> I'm sleeping across the way from you. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to be in the same bed, you're going to be in the spare room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where's the strangest place you've ever slept? Um, the strangest place? I guess the strangest place, probably what I can think of at the moment... 
is probably the most one of the most beautiful places. I was in Formentera when I was in my early 20s, which is an island next to Ibiza, a smaller island, which is not, well, wasn't hugely populated at that point. And um, I'd gone there with some girl that I'd met. <laughs> like, uh, we'd got the ferry over there. And we, we then met, she was Portuguese and could speak Spanish. And we met a load of Spanish kids who were squatting in a house that was just empty and kind of crumbling. It was a most, it, it's obviously really warm, it was sort of July. And where you were in the house, it was like just an, it was basically just a roof and everything else was open. So you could kind of see the stars in the whole bit where they were squatting. We just joined them, they invited us to join them. But just a few minutes walk away was a, a little bar that they w- w- went to and the edge of the bar was the shoreline so they're like the sea was kind of coming up but it was so gentle it was very sort of summery and I'm sure I remember having a sleep there on some, sort of, little ha- on some sort of little hammock just next to the lapping waves but it was like really gentle I mean I think of that now and that sounds mad but like <laughs> it would seem perfectly fine at that point <laughs> yeah. that's probably the the most strangest place so were you travelling over there or Uh, I I had gone there with some uh, with a a friend of mine who was with her boyfriend and so after a couple of days I kind of was like I'm going to go off and do something else yeah just happened to kind of it was it was amazing actually they were so friendly the people there very um, like everyone just cadging lifts and stuff like that I mean I don't think I would want my daughter to be doing that now Makes me think it of them. Um, to be right, like Joni Mitchell sleeping in caves. Maybe that. So, were you writing music then? God, I don't know what I was doing then. No, I don't. I don't know that I was writing music then. I certainly would have been playing things. I'd have been playing. I was probably in my electric guitar phase at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's possibly just pre me getting into doing music. Maybe. Maybe I was starting to get my fiddle out of the cellar or something at that point, loft. But no, I don't think I... I don't think I might have done. I might have been doodling. Doodling, maybe. Yeah, so when mm. did you start doing music properly? Music, something's always been with me, I think. I did it at school. I, I was really lucky to go to a school that was um, had music funding mm. in sort of 70s, 80s. And you could just learn. They just rounded us up one day and said, you know, what instrument do you want to learn? It was free. They had a school orchestra. And I think the headmaster at the time was just really keen on doing lots of music. So from the age of about six to 11, I had lessons every week in violin, orchestra. We'd go into a choir. We, we, We did choir, so, you know, singing harmonies and... So I had a lot of music going in, you know, as mm. a as a real young kid, just through that kind of system, which, you know, makes me lament uh, a lot of the situation now where kids, you know, it costs money and people can't afford it and so they just don't get to do it, but it didn't cost a penny. Yeah, because all, mean, the, so all the music lessons cost money now yeah, in schools. yeah. I know that Ted's, even in school, his drum lessons. Same with my daughter when she started it. And it's like, I I feel that I was so lucky 
So I had that, and I, I was always, I always loved singing, and I always would, you know, learn pop songs and stuff like that. And I, again, in my primary school, there was a teacher who was a bit of a folky, and she taught us songs on the guitar. So I had that as well. Mm. So I was playing violin and, you know, singing a lot, and so that, that kind of all went in. And I got a scholarship then to another school because of music where it was sort of a lot more serious. I found it really alienating because it was really very heavily classical and I found mm. that because I didn't really know any classical music and it was, um, it just seemed very sort of a different kind of class as well. Just dare to mention the C word but mm. it was sort of much more middle class and just found it quite at that point um, strange so I did it for a couple of years and then I kind of flunked out I still carried on sort of singing and learning rap songs and all of that stuff and then sort of later in my sort of t later teens and 20s got back into singing with the guitar and learned you know songs and sang like that and then I got into Jimi Hendrix, and I, I think that was my, my electric guitar phase. <laughs> that we were just talking I was about. Into I was into yeah, that yeah, too. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix, I was big into him. Oh, I loved him. Mm. Um, and the doors and all that. But I also, I mean, like when I was sort of 15 or 16, the whole rave thing kicked off. And I, I loved that. That was really powerful at the time and mad just completely bonkers you know yeah getting a number and going off in some you know to miles away and there'd be a massive you know stage and some mad music pumping and oh i never ha i never it went to like mad. raves like yeah. that we used to go to like cream in liverpool which were like clubs and yeah, stuff yeah 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 never got to like yeah yeah one in the middle of nowhere they were very very um <laughs> I suppose it's that thing as well, isn't it, that a generation sort of doing something completely different because there wasn't anything that sounded like it at that point. Yeah. Really, it was so sort of it was new. That punk and weird. era. Yeah, it, it was kind yeah. of like. <laughs> well, that yeah, leads but, me yeah, on yeah. to um, can you sleep anywhere? I don't really sleep very well on a plane. Yeah. I seem to have a bit of the kind of, just as I nod off, my lizard brain kicks in and sort of goes, you're you know, and I can't, I can't yeah. kind of completely just give myself yeah, to I'm the not, rest. I'm not a fan of flying. I, um, I find it really difficult. Yeah, so I can't really, and I can't really sleep. I had a go at sleeping on sort of, you know, overnight coaches and things like that. That that's not, that's not a good scenario for me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if the if if where I'm sleeping is still and not travelling, right. I have a better chance. Yeah, so hotels are yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> hotels tick. Yeah. <laughs> Do you prefer sleeping alone or with someone? Well, I've been sleeping with my husband now for over 20 years. So alone. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so actually. Uh, I think occasionally it's kind of just... There's something to that kind of solitary rest as well, isn't there, I think. But I wouldn't want to sleep alone all the time. No. Occasionally, especially it's in kind winter, of, depends if he's you know if he's getting up you know if he has is slightly you know <laughs> unrestful nights. Then I wondered where you were going like, then. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, it's got hot in here. No, no. Um, so yeah, preferably not alone for any length of time. But you know, 
I can manage it for the odd time. <laughs> that leads me on to spoon, cuddle or space? Probably a bit of each. A bit of each in moderation. In, in any order? Again, it depends on people's timetables. <laughs> like, what I don't like is when I've really just got off to sleep and then I get woken up. No, by someone coming in. Yeah, that's like, oh, you know, I'm I'm here now. It's like, oh, I've just got off to sleep. But yeah, probably it's nice to start off with a cuddle, and then you just sort of go, oh, right, I've got to go to sleep now. Get yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> Stop moving. <laughs> so, do you sleep through the night? Yes and no. Sometimes, sometimes, most of the time. But no, I'm at the age now where. One sometimes needs to visit the loo. <laughs> yes. But I'm the same. Like, yeah. I've had a few men saying, well, you know, I'm in my 40s now, yeah. so I can't go through the night. But yeah. I think it's the same for women, too. I think, yeah, and it probably, you know, having a cup of tea at sort of nine o'clock at night probably doesn't help. Yeah, sometimes I just don't. Sometimes I seem to wake. I tell you what else sets me off in the summer, actually, is the bird song. Mm. That really, we've got loads of birds, and I love the birds, and I feed the birds. But honestly, sometimes they do just start too early, you yeah. know, and that that will wake me, and that that'll be me done then, and I'll have to sleep in the afternoon to make up for it. <laughs> Maybe you should do like a bird forecast as well yeah. as your weather forecast. Yeah. What keeps you awake? Stress. <laughs> what sort of stress? Thoughts, racing thoughts. Uh, I don't know, just things that I get stressed about, I think. You know, when you get something in your mind and then you keep thinking about it and you then you might imagine, I don't know, some ridiculous scenario and go, Ooh. imagining things that have, have not happened, usually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just playing and, and just, out. Yeah, yeah, playing out and, and just, just sometimes you just kind of thinking about something that is upsetting you, perhaps, or you know or that you were annoyed about that you did or that you you know think you should do or just stuff like that I guess so what do you do to distract yourself do you have like a book a Mm. music radio or podcast what's your preferred way to get into the sleep the best for me is a book I'm very naughty and I do sometimes take my computer to bed Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, you know, that will just keep the blue light just gets in you, doesn't it? And then you can't oh, like watching sleep. Yeah, Netflix or whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I play surfing and wherever. But um, actually, a book I think is my favourite, and it's a book that will enable me to sleep as well. Actually, I think it's like the reading. Yeah, it it sort of of overheats my brain, and then my brain switches. Yeah, and then it's like I've got to go now. Yeah. Sort of so how many pages off. do you get through? God, sometimes barely one. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> it depends how tired I am. If I get a chapter, I'm doing all right. Really, <laughs> so it's not my best time to read, but the reading does make me sleep. The best music just keeps me awake. Um, I used to fall asleep to music actually when I was younger, all the time. But then when it becomes a job, uh, you can't switch off from your opinions. You listen in a different way, don't you? Yeah, Yeah. any any kind of noise, really, that's incessant, that could keep me awake. So I need quiet and darkness. 
as well. Oh, so no light. No light. So mm, quiet and dark. Yeah. Maybe sleep in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably perfectly. Yeah. Actually, there's Can't loads breathe, and loads of radio well. waves up there, <laughs> yeah. isn't there? Do you write better in the daytime or at night and has that changed? That's a funny one, isn't it? I think I now have my most sort of freshest energy in the day, but I find that I really like to work when no one is about. Yeah. And so at night, there's just less noise from the world. Yeah. You know, and it's it well as sort of house, naughty and like, secret as well. Yeah, the secretness, I think, is... It's something, it's something. That's a difficult one, actually. Because, you know, I've done, you know, obviously done lots of things in the day as well, and I I have more energy. But there is something about the night, I think, and creativity that seems to attract somehow. But the older I get, the more knackered I am at night. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's It's hard to Hard payoff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's hard for, like, touring and everything obviously oh. is all night times yeah so you yeah. have to just change your body clock yeah. don't you yeah get up later oh you have to yeah totally you can't you can't burn it at both ends having said that i always was a bit of a night owl even as a kid i think you know like there's that theory isn't there where people have different body clocks and some are night owls and some are larks and summer oh, i've and, never heard this yeah i think it was a german guy wrote an interesting book about people having innately different body clock settings and i don't know if there's been much sort of analysis but i think the idea was that when we were you know living in a cave you needed night watch people you needed people to ah. get up and do the morning stuff you need people to and so that actually it's kind of inbuilt that people will have these different clocks and his whole thing was that this you know the modern sort of industrialization of society getting particularly children and teenagers apparently their brains are not greatly wired for mornings because mm. their brains are doing you know different kind of stuff and growing and that actually would probably have a far more productive society if people were allowed to work to the times that were natural for them Mm. so it's an interesting idea i can't remember the guy's name who came out with with it but he's done quite a lot of work about it and it obviously revolves around the whole thing of sleep when do certain people need to sleep and other people because some people are just morning people aren't they? they yeah and i think as i've got older it's changed a bit because I, I, I just don't have the energy that I had, you know, in my 20s in, at night anymore. Circadian rhythms. Oh, like mm. that. That just popped mm. out. Yes. <laughs> I can't believe it, but we've come to the last question. Oh, my God. How do you feel? Do you feel <laughs> ravaged by inquiry? I feel quite calm, actually. And oh. this space is so lovely. And you've got really beautiful, like soft red lights and little fairy lights everywhere paintings and these beautiful triangular wooden beams all across the roof it's a really magical space in here so i feel i feel calm and 
I feel like you could be a presenter on Channel 4 talking like this about my space. I'm (laughs) waiting for their call as we speak, Catherine. (laughs) So I have got a last question, but I was just going to ask you about that with circadian rhythms and tiredness and change and stuff, because you, you had a health... Mm. Um, was it was before lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was lucky in that they caught it very early at stage one. So yeah, it it was about six, seven months before lockdown. I was very lucky in that I lived um, very close to a, a hospital that was really geared up for particularly breast cancer and I got seen very quickly and I got operated on very quickly. But it was, you know, completely turned our world upside down. And it was pretty terrifying for a little bit, you know. I mean, it's still sometimes I jolt when I think about it, you know, now. Just like trauma like, of it. Yeah, just the, because, and actually, so I, I had... Uh, the diagnosis in June, I had an operation in July, I had uh, radiotherapy in September for a month and then in October I started a course of five years of tablets and then lit. I, w- I was just starting to go back to work and obviously I was a bit clinically vulnerable Yeah. and I was working um, quite a lot teaching sort of kids at the time so I was really frightened about that so we actually went into lockdown about a week before everyone else I was like yeah right, you're not going to school, to my daughter. Cause I, it, it was so frightening. We forget now, because we have all our jabs, Yeah. how initially, you know... That it, unknown it was, danger out it was there was crazy. Astonishing, wasn't it? Um, so, so then, in a way, the pandemic gave me that couple of years to kind of recover from that, even though obviously that was then another kind of weird space for everyone to be in. But I think it really affected my energy levels. Yeah, so were you tired? So I was really tired, really tired. And I was worried about getting back into work because of being able to handle <laughs> being awake <laughs> enough yeah. and having the energy. So so did that, that must have like affected your feeling of identity, wondering whether or not you could do your job. Yeah. Oh, it definitely did. I don't really... I, I still feel like I, I can't really see the whole picture of what I felt. I yeah. think it's a kind of like... Um, it's a survival mechanism, isn't it? It's kind of like... It's kind of blotted out, in a you, way. You other it, yourself. Yeah. To just sort of deal with it. And it's such a weird thing that there's something in your body that you're in no control of whatsoever you know when day to day you know we write lists and we make plans and we're going to do that and we and it's like suddenly that was just like oh my god so has that shifted your psyche um for like the rest of your life I Mm. mean has it changed your outlook Mm. or has that sort of over time and getting well again sort of gone back to a normal Mm sort of viewpoint what I think probably a bit of each like I I sort of ventured out in the spring of this year really for my first kind of staying away from home probably since 2019 and over the summer I've got sort of 
you know, I had more more work in. And then in the autumn, I've had quite a few bits in. I mean, I was working from home as well, but I think in terms of sort of going out and being in a in a workplace and being able to kind of handle it, I feel a lot more confident now than I did, you know, a year, ten months ago. Yeah. And it's taken that time for me to get to that point definitely it was it's such a sort of knockout thing it's the word isn't it it's the word everyone's like <gasps> yeah you know and you just go oh my god but you know going into like the the Royal Marsden to have my radiotherapy and seeing so so many people handling you know various different degrees of cancers it was actually, you know, far from being a, a place where you're just really scared, it was actually really encouraging because loads of people were handling it, you know, yeah. and are handling it. Yeah. And, and you carry on and you do what you can. And I think it actually made me really grateful for very small things. That's what it really made me thankful for, that actually... You know, even down to just being able to see colours and watch the dawn and look yeah. at birds, Aww. you know, and, and, and just really small things. It gave me a real appreciation for that, actually. And how. Which really is the point of living mm-hmm. and, like, what we all want to get mm-hmm. closer to mm-hmm. anyway, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like, mm-hmm. living in the moment and yeah. appreciating everything instead yeah. of yeah. letting our minds... Yeah get greedy (laughs) so I yeah and so I try and remind myself of that as well I guess you know you sort of move on and then you know I'm looking at working a lot more now and I have a lot more energy um and I'm I feel really good and everything's fine on the scans and everything so and you're doing so much yeah I do I've been doing films and soundtracks and yeah like it's been really nice actually this year and just easing back into things and um, I, I yeah again feel really lucky for the jobs that have come my way Cause, as you know as well, a musician it's not, it's not you just never luck, know though Lisa you, you're well, mega talented thank you one of my favourite people Aww. Um, so my last question is can you remember a lullaby a song or a book that would send you to sleep when you were a child? Mm. Um, my mum did used to sing me a lot of nursery rhymes. Did she? As a kid, yeah. Oh. And I used to sing a lot to my daughter, Bonnie. And she can't even remember that now. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, wow. Do you want me to sing one? Yeah. All right, so my mum used to sing me this. And it's a, it's a famous piece of music, and I don't know who it's by. Someone will know, like... A, composer um but she sang some little words to it um roses whisper my dear the angels are near you to watch over you
Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you for coming on the show, Lisa Knapp. Thank you.